You are now listening to the Conversationalist Podcast. Alright, well hello and uh, thanks for listening to another episode of the Conversationalist Podcast. I'm Jesse and I'm here with Amanda. Hi. And um, this episode is going to cover um, WonderCon, specifically um, the first day, Friday, of uh, the convention, which was the only day that we were able to make. Um, we posted a lot of photos associated with um, the convention, um, all the different panels that we went to, some of the different stuff we saw on the floor. Um, so if you want to take a look at any of that stuff, you can go over to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash conversationalist, um, to see any of those photos or any of the stuff that we saw at the convention. Um so, um, for our topics and main topic, um, we'll just be talking about our initial reaction to, um, the, the convention being at the Los, Los Angeles Convention Center, um, because as you may or may not know, um, it's been hosted at, uh, the Anaheim Convention Center for the past few years. Um, we went to a couple of panels, um... First one we went to was uh, T-Fury, Pomp Fandom as uh, Artistic ex- Inspiration. Um, we went to uh, the Her Universe Fashion Show Update. Um, went to the Image Comics, where creators own their new creativity. Uh, fourth one was a spotlight on uh, Jim Lee. Uh, then we headed over to the Your Opinion Sucks, Rotten Tomatoes, Critics vs. Fans. And then to finish out our day, uh, went to our sixth and final panel, which was AMC's Preacher Series premiere screening and panel. Um, so I think initially when we went to this convention, I mean, I think generally we knew what to expect because we've gone to the past um, couple of years of WonderCon. Typically, we've only just gone like one day. Like, I mean, we always would do like several days at like Comic-Con but typically, like, even smaller conventions, it was always just uh, one day. I mean, with the exception of Silicon Valley Comic Con. And I think the main exception there was just that, you know, you'd gotten, uh, Amanda had gotten in his media. And two, because it was the first convention being held there in San Jose with it being, like, the inaugural convention, you know, being put on by Steve Wozniak was the reason we went all three days for that one. But just in general, WonderCon is a day where we're just like, eh, what day do we want to go where we can just do what we want to do? Which, the aim has always been Saturday. Last year, we went on Easter, Easter Sunday. And uh, this year, Easter Sunday wasn't good for us and neither was Saturday um, because of some, uh, you know, scheduling conflicts. And so we opted to go on Friday, which... Turned out uh, pretty good, I thought. Um, I mean, what was your like initial um, reaction like as far as like the setup, the building, the differences as far as like surroundings between like the Los Angeles Convention Center and like you know how it compares to the I think the surroundings and general feel of the Anaheim Convention mm-hmm. Center. Uh, well, I'd never 
been to the convention center in LA before, so I didn't know what to expect. It's big. Um, WonderCon was really spread out this year. I thought, like, I felt like it was a hike, like going from panels to the what? What's it called? Like the floor, the exhibitors, whatever. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there there was a lot of space there. Um, if if the Comic Con organization is trying that out as a test run to see if that's a convention center where they're potentially going to move San Diego Comic Con, I I get that because it can house it. It can house a lot of people. Um. For WonderCon, I mean, the the extra space was nice. I don't know if it was necessarily needed. Um, and I liked, I liked going on Friday because it didn't seem very crowded. I mean, they sold out their Saturday badges pretty quickly. Um, so that should tell you something. But, I mean, it was nice. It was cooler. Um, the Anaheim Convention Center always seems to get really stuffy to me. Um yeah, it was really cool in there. It was cool. It was noticeably cool. And I don't know. I mean, I liked it. The only thing I didn't like was the actual badge getting process. That was a mess. But you know, and, and to your point earlier, like I, I I'd kind of brought that up initially when um, when we actually left Friday evening, um, we were kind of like, well, you know, it, it there was a lot of space. Like there there was plenty of room, and. Yeah, I, I thought to myself, you know what, the, you know, there's always been some talk about how long Comic Con is going to stay in San Diego, whether or not they're going to find somewhere else to go, where exactly will it go? Um, you know, I think it's in San Diego for the next year or so. But uh, you know, my thought was is that okay, well, if they're not, um, if their intention isn't to move WonderCon here permanently, then what's the bigger picture? And my thought was, well, maybe they're just moving Condor, uh, they're, they're moving WonderCon to this convention to just give an overall test run of how they would run Comic-Con's convention and then basically work out all the kinks so that they know what to improve on and what changes to make so that when they move, if they were to move Comic-Con to the Los Angeles Convention Center, it basically is going to run that much smoother. And the reason I brought that up was because uh, when we were standing in some other lines, Amanda had overheard, and I don't know whether this was just like attendees or if this was other staff that just didn't know that people were listening, but she'd overheard that there was some talk that the um, wonder that WonderCon is going to be moved back to the Anaheim Convention Center next year. So with that in mind, I'm thinking, well, what is the point of WonderCon just moving to the Los Angeles Convention Center for just a single year? And that's what popped into my head is that, hey, maybe it's a test run for Comic-Con moving to LA Convention Center in the future. And there was a lot of room, and there, I mean, obviously there was a lot of space that wasn't used and um you know so it can definitely accommodate more people um you know obviously WonderCon is just a smaller sister convention to comic-con but when you consider just how massive comic-con is i don't i mean 
it wasn't like shoulder to shoulder inside WonderCon. Like I said, there was a lot of room and there were a lot of spaces for panels and whatever. But having actually been to the Comic Con Convention Center, it would, to me, although it, po- I mean, I'm sure it's capable of handling like the same amount of people. You have to consider that there's a ton of people that come to the convention that don't necessarily have badges to do the stuff outside the convention. And so when you consider that like when it when it comes to San Diego that there's all these companies that are like running out space and lobby room for all the large uh hotels that are in the area, I didn't see that many outside the Los Angeles convention and I don't know that it would be able to accommodate like that massive of a crowd because at Comic Con not only is the building like pretty much like near at capacity but so were a lot of the exterior buildings and then there's a shit ton of stuff that's being set up at you know the baseball stadium across the street um like i said all the surrounding hotels the you know certain parking lots and stuff like that and even like the exterior like near the marina and so i think that the los angeles convention center although it is larger or as large as the san diego convention center i just I don't know. I don't know that. Well, it would seem chaotic to me. There's just, a Staples Center. That's well, right there. Well, right. I mean, but like the convention center, they didn't use the Staples Center, so yeah, you can accommodate. Well, yeah, but we're talking about Comic Con. We're not talking about WonderCon because they don't do that for WonderCon, anyways. The extras. Well, no, I get that. So, like, I mean, I could see that. Okay, they'd have to. They'd have to have the entire thing. Maybe the Staples Center could be basically what. You know, where a lot of extra shit would get set up, kind of like at Petco Park. Right. But, you know, there's still, like, all the exterior hotels and lobbies and parking lot stuff that doesn't seem like it's there. But they had all those hotels that were right there by all that parking. The Ritz? S- <laughs> um, the Hilton? Oh, the Hilton. I didn't see that. No, but that's the equivalent of the hotels oh, that are right, right there. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just... I think, like, it's hard for me to imagine. I mean, I guess it's just hard to imagine because you're just so used to it being in... I'm so used to it being in San Diego. And so, like, trying to imagine it being moved to L.A., it just seems like, even though... Even if this was a test run for it, I just am having a hard time, like, imagining where certain stuff would go. Um, I mean, we'll see. I mean, like, it would be a fucking closer drive for us. I mean, arguably, we could fucking drive back and forth every day. That would kind of suck. But, um, you know, it's a lot shorter of a drive and, you know, a lot more convenient place to be. But I like going to San Diego. So, I don't know. I mean, that's all speculation. Who knows what the, like, real intent of just moving to the Los Angeles Convention Center is. Like, do they plan on moving it permanently to L.A.? I mean, is the person's information that was overheard bad information? You know... Um, you know, maybe they're not going back to the Anaheim Convention Center next year. And, you know, maybe they have some other place in store for where Comic-Con's going to go. I can't think of too many other places that are as big as the Los Angeles Convention Center, though. 
or San Diego for that matter. But, uh, you know, when we got there, and um, I guess we're spending quite a bit of time on this topic, but when we got there, um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't too complicated as far as, like, you know, finding a parking area or getting, um, you know, getting any of that stuff sorted out. What did suck, though, is when we actually did park and we were um, coming into the convention center from the parking garage, there was, like, a severe lack of signs that said, like, where to go if you were you know, you needed to register as far as, like, getting your badge and getting in line so that you can get into the convention. And so, because there was a lack of signs, we were just asking people, like, hey, where do I go? And they're like, oh, yeah, you go up here, and this is where registration is. And so there were three different, you know, people that were like, oh, just go down this way and go down this way. Super helpful, right? Yeah, not really, because once we actually got to the place where we needed to be, we found out that there was, like, a line coming out of the building and then so we go out there because they're like oh you know you need to get in the back of the line so we followed this line all the way to the end and it was like in the area of where we had just come from like it went out the door around the building down the stairway down this hall and like pretty much out the front like near the fucking staple center it was that long um and so I'm just kind of like, seriously, like we just came from here and everybody's telling us, oh yeah, yeah, go this way, go this way. And so we, we walked all the way through the fucking convention center and finally made it to this area where we needed to be, except we needed to be at the end of the line outside and around the building where we had just come from. So we finally line up and I will say that the line actually moved fairly quickly. We weren't really standing outside for a huge amount of time. So, I mean, I can't really bitch as much about that because it did move pretty quick. I mean, considering how long it was, right? Yeah, it was pretty fast. And then, I mean, once we actually got in the building, they kind of like... That's when it sucked. Well, that's kind of when it sucked, yeah, because they had these lines that looked like it was like, you know, three lines that were kind of delineated with tape between like a bigger, um, you know, set of like poles or dividers. And so, even though we were, like, in a singular line, they kind of wanted people to, like, cram into this um, specific area. Like, big cattle. What yeah. Is it, like, cattle. <laughs> they're not, like, herds. What's that called? Well, I guess it's, like, herds. Like, when they're putting them through those gates, like, when they're getting ready to brand them, you're just, like, yeah. Psh, like yeah. running them through. They're like, oh, right, people, there's a lot of fucking gap space, so get close with the people you're next to. You're just like, uh, no. <laughs> You know, yeah, so I don't want their Ebola viruses. Get away from me. <laughs> so everybody's cramming into this spot, like which was uh, once a linear line, kind of became a big blob. And so they were lining people up in these big, big rows. And so there was this line that was um, to the right of our line where somebody, people had already lined up. And that line was kind of moving along, and then it eventually stopped. And then our line started going through, and it started going through. And before, I, I mean, we were there for what, like 10 15 minutes maybe felt like forever it felt like forever because there was somebody next to us that had some severe bo like doesn't Ugh. know what deodorant was like he stunk really bad these people deodorant in a convention use it yeah use it or just did i mean just generally just take a bath before you go i don't know hygiene you, it's your friend yeah it's like you can be a nerd and still be clean um you know there were some stinky people in that line so we get all the way through this line and like we're um, like almost 
toward the part where we're gonna go to the table to get our you know pick up our badges and stuff and the line next to us apparently these people were pissed because um like their line hadn't gone through already but our line started to go through ahead of them and so they were like demanding to see like some security guard supervisor and so they like you know they were they were you know basically arguing their point with some other security guy who was there and then like some security guard you know some security supervisor comes over and they're basically explaining the issue they're like our line was here before their line like we should be going ahead you know whatever what the fuck like we've been here for a while and this is bullshit and whatever and i mean it was getting like kind of heated and so the like main security guards like the 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 supervisor in charge of the security guards is basically like well you know we're just gonna go ahead and let these people go through first and then we're gonna let you guys go next and you know and that was basically how they were gonna do it i don't know anyways apparently this hadn't gotten through to those people because once they started letting us through there were a shitload of people just started like screaming and yelling and just generally being like disorderly and i was like um there's about to be like a full-on fucking fight like People were freaking the fuck out that our line somehow ended up, like, getting ahead of some people in that neighboring line to a point where I seriously thought that shit was going to get crazy. Well, he tried to explain it to them, and they weren't listening because they tried to pull the whole, think of the children, because they had some kids with them. But the way the guy was explaining it to the lady that was buying the whole think of the children act was they were letting each line run through for 10 minutes before stopping it and going to the next line right and they had been the tail end of that first line so their line had run for their 10 minutes and they stopped it and they got stopped before they got to go through so they would have to wait for our line to run the 10 minutes and then for the other line next to us on our left to run their 10 minutes and then it would set back to them they didn't want to wait that's what they were fighting for and that's what the guy was trying to explain to them and they wouldn't listen and they weren't listening so they got so rowdy that after our line ran through they they stopped it and let them go because they were yelling and causing such a scene that they got their way which is bullshit you shouldn't you shouldn't do that. I mean, you shouldn't cave to people acting like dumbasses. Yeah, it was pretty embarrassing. Like, there were a lot... I mean, at first it was just, like, one or two people, and you're just kind of like, ugh, like, you know, you're a trashy shithead. And then it turned into, like, a bunch of people, and you're just, like, you know, almost like a like a common mob level. Like, it was just, like, mm-hmm. you're going to get into the convention, like, you know, if it's 10 minutes later or 15 minutes later, like, there's no need to shit your pants over, you know, this general delay, especially if they're explaining, like, the process in which they're going through it. And I hate that people are like that, that, you know, oh, I'm just going to fucking yell and scream until I get my way. And that, you know, people would accommodate that. It, I don't know. So I thought that, that was uh, pretty ridiculous, but... Um, like getting the, getting the badges was actually really quick once we got to the table. And then, um, what we noticed immediately upon, um, getting into the convention was that, huh, they had like an R RFID scanner thing, which is funny 
And I, I, you know, okay, you had, we went to Silicon Valley Comic Con last week. And they're like, oh, you know, we're doing something a little bit different. Not just badges. We're doing these little scanny wristband things. You know, we want to incorporate technology, blah, 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 blah. And then conveniently, it gets scheduled one week before Comic Con, or one week before WonderCon, right? As if that wasn't like, huh, I wonder if they're, uh, you know, trying to muscle in on WonderCon shit because WonderCon moved down south and never came back. So if that's not enough to, uh, you know, think about, all of a sudden WonderCon and, uh, Comic, I, I'm, you know, Comic-Con's got to be doing this too. WonderCon's now using, um, like a scan card. The scan card goes in a pouch on the, on your little, uh, lanyard, and you have to scan in to get into the convention, and you got to scan out. Apparently, if you don't scan out, and you walk out of the building, it, like, basically deactivates your card, so you can't scan back in. Um, so, you know, that was interesting. I was kind of like, huh, that's some timing there. They're, they went to scanners, uh, you know, in Silicon Valley's trying to set them, the Silicon Valley Comic Con's trying to set themselves apart as being, like, technologically advanced. And I'd mentioned, like, you know, it was stupid how at Silicon Valley Comic Con's convention they had these really thin wristbands that were just a shit ton of people that had a really hard time, like, scanning this small little area. Um, and it was holding up lines. And the, the, um, little key card things that they were giving you at WonderCon were so large and the scanning areas were so big that it was a lot easier, huh? To, like, get in and out. Yeah. There weren't a lot of people that were, like, just generally, oop, <laughs> oh, hold on, can't get in or out. It was, it was, uh, pretty easy. So, you know, that was our, you know, those were our general observations and, uh, you know, thoughts on just the beginning portion of going to the the convention as it stands, it uh, being in L.A. So, um, luckily, we'd actually wanted to make it to the the T Fury panel. Um, I believe it was like at eleven, right? It was like at eleven o'clock, or maybe it was one. Was it, was it one? One because it didn't even open till twelve. Right. So it was at one o'clock, and we were like, "Shit, we're gonna miss this convention because." The line was so long, we're just like, there's no way we're going to get through this. And then surprisingly, it went by pretty quickly. So we get into the T-Fury panel, and they were giving everybody these little T-Fury buttons. There's like these little buttons for people. And, uh, you know, pretty much uh, they were covering um, like where they draw their inspiration for all the different designs. Because they had several different uh, comic artists and illustrators... Um, and graphic designers there basically explaining like how they draw their inspiration, um, how pop, how, uh, pop culture, you know, influences their artwork and, um, you know, um, they were kind of explaining how, you know, like pop culture parody has kind of become a thing, you know, where they're doing like mashups of like The Walking Dead, but Disney or... You know, any of that stuff. So, um, I mean, the, the panel was, the panel was decent. It seemed pretty informative. Was there anything that, like, like, stuck out for you in terms of, you know, the Tea Fairy panel and anything that they were talking about? 
No, it was just interesting to hear the artists talk about their process, I guess. I don't know. I just like the T-Fury shirt, so it was kind of cool. Yeah, and there was, um, I mean, there were some, you know, popular, you know, T-Fury artists in general that were, I mean, just explaining how they, they try to set themselves apart, um, like with different styles, um, you know, so that people can kind of recognize their stuff. I mean, with some sort of continuity to their artwork, but at the same time, they're trying to expand as artists and so they may not like stick to any one style that might be popular at any given time you know they try to like evolve past that or even kind of develop like several like several different um styles where i think one artist was mentioning that he kind of has like three different styles and he kind of you know like rotates through them to kind of keep things fresh and not necessarily you know just be doing the same thing all the time um you know it's just uh you know and there were there were some people that you know basically had like no prior you know like art school experience were basically just you know people that like to draw or design and you know their their work basically like picked up some sort of following from just basically being posted online and just sort of developed you know popularity and and a brand so to speak before kind of you know basically submitting their artwork you know to get accepted on t-fury and then ultimately to you know to become popular enough to um you know be able to follow up with other designs and you know basically be you know, like a legit artist, you know, doing all kinds of different stuff because it's basically opening doors to other things. You know, their artwork's being recognized, um, you know, from their designs being on a place like T-Fury and then, you know, being picked up by other companies that are recognizing this artwork. So it was... uh, pretty interesting to see how like some of these people like developed as artists and where they're going or you know some of the opportunities that were opened up to them from basically nothing and so it kind of goes to show that uh you know if you're good enough you put in enough time uh you know obviously i think maybe there's some luck involved you know and but mostly skill that you know if you really wanted to you know you could probably even go that route and you know maybe you know, you submit a design to T-Fury if you're an aspiring artist and they might pick you up, you know, for that one design and if it sells enough and you get enough people that love your work, you know, it could begin, it could be the beginning of something, you know, whether it's a, you know, a couple more, couple more shirts or, you know, you're able to, you know, bank on, uh, you're able to bank on the attention that you're getting, you know, from your designs to be able to, you know, expand out and basically make your own brand. So I thought that was cool. I know I always wanted to be like an, like an artist, uh, when I was younger and I drew a lot and, you know, had those aspirations and then basically was like, yeah, 
artists don't get paid a lot. I don't, I want to be able to support myself, so kind of still did it for fun, but, you know, did not try to uh, go any further than just, you know, fun for me. So, cool panel. Um, what was what was funny is that after that panel was over, and I don't know that it was pre-planned and maybe I just wasn't aware of it, but right after that panel was over, um, the other panel that followed was the Her Universe Fashion Show update, which Amanda is a huge fan and follower of Her Universe. And so, I mean, do you want to basically cover everything that uh, they talked about? Um, I mean, because... You were paying a lot more attention. I wasn't paying that close of attention. Fucking liar. I was looking at the clothes. Mm -hmm. I wasn't paying like super close attention. Well, I mean, just cover what you, what they talked about. This is a panel that you wanted to be at. Well, yeah, because I wanted to see the clothes because we didn't get to go to the fashion show last year at Comic-Con because they always have those fashion shows on days that we don't go. Or we can't get into them because they're always, like, super full, which sucks because I always want to see the dresses because I think they're amazing. I always get to see them later, like, you know, on Instagram or after. And, you know, all the work that the girls put into those dresses is just... I mean, like, is it a contest or what? Yeah, it's a contest because the winners... um, they end up doing a limited run of a collection for her universe that gets um, sold at Hot Topic. Um, and then each year is a different, like a different theme. Like the, um, one of the collections was like a Marvel, um, it had like a Loki dress and like a Tony Stark jacket and some other stuff. So, like, is there, like, a competition that's going on beforehand with it finishing at, you know, San Diego Comic-Con? Or is this just something that's no, just a competition just, that takes place there? It's just at Comic-Con. The okay. fashion show is the competition, and it's at Comic-Con. Hmm. So, like, you submit, like, they do the, um, what is it, the casting or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And then they pick their 25... Uh, designers and then the 25% at Comic-Con and then they pick the two winners but this year they're going to have three winners um, because they're uh, broadcasting the whole process on Comic-Con HQ TV or whatever that is Yeah. Um, so they're going to have an audience at home favorite that's going to win a spot and then there's the audience favorite at Comic-Con and then the judges pick and the three of them will get to design something for her universe for Hot Topic. Um, and the the girls, the two girls that won last year, they designed a Star Wars um, collection for Hot Topic that's going to come out really soon. That was uh, Kelly Cerrone and Letal Platt? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it seemed pretty interesting. I thought the idea of having three winners was neat. But at the same time, it's like, so is like they're like an overall winner? Because like, I mean, three winners, that's a lot of fucking winners. I mean, I know they're trying to be like, oh, we want to have like a diverse amount of different designs that are, um, you know, that are going to be presented at a hot topic. But at the same time, like, 
Wouldn't you be mad like if the judge, if like the judges, chose you as like being the best, but then like two other people that are like, oh yeah, these people were cool too, instead of like being like second place or third place or whatever. Well, I think the judge, the judges' pick is like the highest. I mean, even though the other ones will technically still win and get to design with you, like being picked by the judges is the best one to be. Because yeah. they're the ones with the technical ability. Yeah, I suppose. I just think that, like, okay, like, these two girls, or the this girl that won last year, she got to do all the different designs for Hot Topic, right? Yeah. Like, she got to do several different designs as the winner. So then, this year, there's going to be three winners. Sounds great on paper. But does that mean that, like, the winner... Like, let's say the judge's picked winner isn't going to be able to design, like, as many designs as the person that won the year before when it was just one winner? Like, is it going to limit well, the amount she, of... Well, the girl, the two designed it together this year. The judge's pick and the audience pick. So they split the designs. So this year, it'll be split between the three instead of the two. I see. Well, that's interesting. I don't know. I mean... Unless they're doing that thing outside of Comic Con, we're not going this year. They wink, don't. Wink. It's a, it's an inside thing. That's why the one girl that asked the question about if you don't have a badge, can you still be in the fashion show? Right. And they said if you got chosen, they'd make sure you got in. You have to have a badge to go. Well, didn't they? Uh, they were mentioning something. Ah, uh, god dang it! I can't. I kind of lost my train of thought on this, but. Wasn't there supposed to be, like, some sort of, like, open casting call or competition that was taking place at, like, Hollywood and Highland at some point in the near future? April 23rd. Uh-huh. It's their casting call. And so that's basically where anybody can show up with their designs and possibly get picked, but they encourage you to go to their website to, like, fill in, well, you have to like, your application, your application info. Online. Right. And you can do, like, a video submission and... Uh, you know, like to be considered, um, and uh, they said that um, there was a a younger girl, like a junior designer, is what they called her, that wanted to know if, you know, obviously you're not going to be able to participate in the fashion show, but you still want somebody to critique your work, um, just to see like how you're doing. That they would try to accommodate even the junior designers to have somebody there to you know, kind of give you some one-on-one oversight because they weren't just, they were trying to, you know, bring home the point that it's not just a competition, that it was like a celebration, right? And they want, like, all these people there and they want to try to provide everybody with insight and knowledge and, like, you know, help people develop as designers. Yeah, but they also said to wait on that (laughs) because Ashley said... Well, what's the who's the main lady? Ashley. Ashley. She was kind of like, "Uh, we'll kind of get back to you on that. We're trying to figure it out." But then you had the girl from um, what was it? Uh, Blondie. It's like Blondie Girl. TV. Yeah, Blondie Girl Productions. She was basically like, "Oh no, that's basically something that you know we really want to do, and this is kind of what our aim is." And so yeah, we're definitely going to do it. And I was kind of like. Well, I thought the girl that was moderating was, like, the main yeah. final say of, like, her she universe. Is. And so I was kind of like, 
you know, she's kind of like, oh, we'll get back on that. And then the other girl, um, the what was her Jennifer. name from Blondie Girl Productions? Jennifer Tisdale was like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're definitely going to do that. And I'm just kind of like, uh. Yeah, side weight on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, who knows if it's like 100% sure. I mean, I think that it was pretty much just like, um, you know, like, okay, let's not argue on the panel. We'll <laughs> just talk about it later. Yeah. You know, anyways. So, you know, any of the aspiring designers that want to go out there, they're having that open casting call, you know, and they said that even if you don't have a badge for Comic-Con, that if you do get picked, you know, they'll find a way for you to get in so that you can compete. You got to be at least 18, though. Yep. So, um, and I think, like, the main thing is they're looking for is mainly originality with some of the designs and that you have some like past history or prior design work to refer to in that you be able to not only show what type of design you're going for but you know be able to explain to them and demonstrate how exactly you're going to make it work and that you're able to actually execute your design because it's one thing to like put it to paper and have all these aspirations for what it is you want to do but not actually be able to do it and so they want to know that you can actually deliver on your designs before they let you into the show. But you don't have to be the one to sew it. Right. You can they be the designer. That. You can have somebody else that's really good with sewing. So there is that. There's hope for those that you can't sew. Um, so, um, let's see. Now, there was the active wear that they were showing that was like like Marvel hero designs and I guess that stuff's at Kohl's right it is yes and I noticed that you liked some of that stuff and we're looking buy it for me, me. buy look, it <laughs> you're like I like the Iron Man one and this other one it's a pretty color palette well what was the other one it's Captain America and Iron Man and Iron Man yeah that's basically it Oh, there's some... I think there's some Black Widow. Oh, right, yeah. I think there was. So, yeah, she's like, Find me I all really, the things. I really want this active wear. And I'm like, you already have active wear. What, she's my on, sweatpants? She's on, but it's Marvel. And it's I'm like, And I'm like, stop talking like Aziz Ansari, Amanda. You're she's the, all, you're the only one that I talks want, about. She's all, but I want active wear. You're the only one that talks like him. <laughs> Buy me all the things. Yeah, whatever. Anyways. So, as we're walking around the floor, and this is kind of after we kind of, we had to, like, you know, go check out, you know, her universe, and she's all like, oh, buy me this $70 tank top. And I'm over here like, yeah. You didn't buy... Didn't buy me the Deadpool shirt or the leggings, Motherfucking shit is expensive anyways. Moving on. We're walking around, and uh, we we walked the floor, and then there was this uh, dude from the Aquabats. Amanda's like, hey, there's a dude from the Aquabats. Now, I've never really listened to their shit or anything like that. Like, I know know who they are, and I think Amanda used to listen to their shit, like, hardcore back in the day. Amanda was really into the Aquabats at some point, I think. Yeah, she was. She's not denying it, so it must have been true. So... She's like, oh, it's this Aquabats guy. And uh, a friend of mine has a son that, like, really likes Aquabats. So we just had to go over there and meet him and try to get a little signed poster. And, you know, I didn't take a photo with him. I just took a photo of him signing the poster. 
Um, but uh, it was MC Bat Commander. And the only reason I found that out wasn't even because I met the dude. It was because I told my buddy afterward, like, hey, I got this poster for your son. I'll give it to you later. And my friend's like, oh, shit, that was MC Bat Commander. And I'm like, well, that's tight. <laughs> I was like, he's like, yeah, he's like the lead singer or whatever. And I'm like, cool, I guess it made a big deal then. <laughs> and there were a lot of, like, parents, like, going up there with their kids, huh? And then, like, yeah. we show up, like, the only people with no kids. And I'm like, hey, no kids, just want to say hi. Can I get your signature? <laughs> That's because they do that little kid show. Yeah, I don't know. Fuck. I know I know of the Aquabats, but, like, I don't know much about them. Um, but, they, I mean, it was still cool, though. You just be like, you know, they were like, oh, yeah, sure, you know, we'll make it out to, you know, your buddy's kid. No, no big deal. So um, we kept walking around the floor, and then, of course, we got to go to the Geek and Sundry booth. One, because Geek and Sundry's cool. Two, because we love Felicia Day and support most of her ventures because they usually are pretty good anything she does anything she does is fantastic she's just an all-around talented human being what what are you rolling rice for it's true so we go to the geek and sundry booth <laughs> and uh they're we're, they're rolling um like these 18-sided dice and if you can roll 15 or higher you um win like a main prize like they were giving people like a little geek and sundry pin but if you roll the 15 or higher you got to choose like an item that was uh you know something associated with the show the guild which is an awesome web series that uh felicia day i believe wrote and starred in and um you know i think will whedon's in it and it's just an all-around funny web series if you haven't watched it you can check it out on netflix netflix has the whole series it's really funny and it especially hits close to home if you were like a world of warcraft player um i mean i guess it can pertain to you know other mmos but it's mainly kind of like a mock thing you know associating loosely with uh, world of warcraft players so you'll get a lot of the humor and just like general funniness of uh the guild but anyways, I rolled the dice, and then the first fucking thing I roll, I roll it off the table, but ended up getting my 16, and so I got the, uh, like, the Guild Mega Set, which has, like, all the shows on DVD, and has all the, like, special commentary from all the actors, bloopers, and all that stuff like that, so that was totally cool, because, like, I just watch the shit out of that show on Netflix, like, a bunch, but, um, you know, actually being able to have the little DVD movie set was totally fucking cool. And then um, Amanda rolled right after me, and she ended up uh, getting... Um, a 17. High... Yeah, she got a 17, so she was able to pick anything she wanted to. And initially, she was kind of like, what do I get? And I'm thinking like, uh, let's get a second mega set, you know? But um, she was like, well, what should I get? And that was this, like, really cool book that was basically like a... Like a freaking... I don't know, just like an ultra... I mean, shit, I have it right here. Basically just like an official companion uh, guide for the guild. Basically just with everything that's anything the guild and, you know, any everything in between. So we ended up picking the book because we already got the mega set. Um, so that was totally cool. Went to the Nerdist booth, but um, like, they were, like they were just uh, 
giving away lanyards, like, if you actually, like, followed them. And initially, I'm like, oh, shit, you have to follow them on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook? And I'm like, well, good thing I already follow them on everything. <laughs> and they're like, no, it just has to be one. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, give me that fucking lanyard then. <laughs> you know, because whenever you go to a convention, they always give you some lame lanyard. It's always like, MSNBC's new television show's coming out. Blard to blard. It's like an advertisement lanyard. So at least we got a cool little nerdist lanyard, right? Yeah, I didn't show them anything. And you still got it? No. You didn't get a nerdist lanyard? Ha ha. No, I'm you're so not cool. paying attention. Whatever. I didn't know. I wasn't looking at everything you did at the convention. Jeez. Yeah. <clears throat> so after we walked the floor, we, uh,. Snuck into this panel, which, well, I mean, I guess we didn't really sneak in. Like, it was open, but, like, there weren't a shitload of people in it. And what we didn't know was that it was um, Image Comics where creators own their new creativity. And <coughs> pretty much, we didn't plan on going to this fucking um, panel. The sole reason we went into it was because the panel right after it was a spotlight on Jim Lee. <coughs> Ooh, excuse me. Um, so... Basically, we wanted to get in to the room because <clears throat> unlike Silicon Valley Comic Con, where they clear the room after uh, every panel, um, you know, we knew that we weren't going to have to leave the room. So the choices were that we can either line up um, outside the panel and... Uh, basically wait for the room to clear out and then go in for the spotlight on Jim Lee. But we're thinking, like, why the hell would we do that? Like, we can basically just go in the room and just sit there and wait for the next panel to begin because unlike Silicon Valley Comic Con, you know, they clear out the room after everything because of all these special VIP tickets and shit. Um, that's not the case for WonderCon or Comic Con. You basically get to either keep the seat that you're in or potentially move up closer, you know, depending on, you know, who clears out the room. So we just went into this panel, kind of got midway into it. Um, and, and it was, it was pretty interesting. I mean, it seemed that like those particular artists, like it just seemed like they were trying to tell like different stories that like aren't commonplace or, like, they had, like, more serious, <clears throat> like, a more serious, like, uh, I don't know, thought process, you know, of where they wanted to go with, um, like, their topic. Like, there was one guy um, who was the creator of Power Lines, which is a comic book, and that was uh, Jimmy R Robinson, and... He, like, basically the premise of his comic was that, you know, what if, <clears throat> you know, the black kid that, um, you know, that somebody might clutch their purse or, you know, walk across the street to avoid, you know, because of, like, underlying racism, um, you know, somehow got superpowers, but his powers were only activated in, um, like, a rich white neighborhood, and what if, like, a girl that was, like, from that rich white neighborhood type, um, you know, found out that she only had superpowers in a predominantly black neighborhood where she's not welcome. And, you know, basically sticks out like a sore thumb. <clears throat> and so he said, without giving away too much on the premise, is that, uh, 
you know, like her phone gets stolen or something, and so she ends up going to this neighborhood with the little Find My iPhone feature and finds out that, oh, wow, I have powers. Uh, you know, basically goes from there, but, you know, it just seemed to me like, I don't know, I, I didn't, I mean, I guess the idea was different, but to me it just seemed like everything that he was trying to do, like, he was, like, really trying to touch on, like, a super sensitive, like, social issue, which, I mean, I guess I don't see a problem in that. It's just that it seemed like with everything he was doing, like, he was trying to do something related to racism or, ex you know, exclusionism of females or whatever, like, he's in a constant crusade with his comic books, yeah, I don't read my comics for <clears throat> social commentary. Not really. Right. So it was... I don't know. The topics didn't really seem interesting to me. Like the ones that... Other, not just him, but I mean like the other panelists. Like one of them was kind of like a conservationist topic. Oh, yeah. Like, like oil with global warming and, and oil companies. Yeah, and like sorry... No, I, I don't read my comics for that. Right, and it's like, I, I know he said, I mean, I know specifically with uh, Jimmy Robinson, like, he's basically saying, oh, you know, I'm not trying to beat you over the head with it, just trying to make you think about it, but just, like, the whole story is about that, and, like, you know, his thoughts on the matter, and, you know, it's like, how can you not beat somebody over the head with it like if they're reading that comic like that's exactly what's going on yep um <clears throat> i don't know that, that's just my opinion um in general like i said we weren't really um you know they're specifically for that panel so i mean i guess we we're already kind of like withdrawn from it like okay let's get past this panel so that we can see jim lee um and you know so as soon as that panel was over uh you know jim lee came out and you know, he's a, a DC Entertainment co-publisher that uh, is an artist for, like, Superman Unchained, Justice League, Batman. And, uh, I mean, he's been in the industry for over 25 years. I mean, back when I was in elementary school, I was saving, like, you know, uh, Marvel comic cards and, you know, other comic books um, that had Jim Lee's artwork on it because... When I was when I was growing up, I mean, even Stan Lee was big shit back then. Um, you know, when I was growing up, and there were a lot of people that wanted to save all of Stan Lee stuff, and I like Stan Lee too. But I also recognized that Jim Lee was an extremely, you know, an extremely talented artist, and I really liked a lot of uh, Jim Lee's artwork as well. Um, you know, and eventually he went on to co-create the Wildcats, which was a super fucking cool comic and i loved everything about um the wildcats and i just i've always uh been an admirer of jim lee's work never had the opportunity to meet him much less be in a panel that had jim lee in it so um i was really excited just to be in the panel and hear him talk about like you know like how he's come along like it didn't focus a hell of a lot on like you know his his road to you know how he became an artist just that he was wanting to show people how, like, how to draw certain characters and, you know, how to, like, start, um, you know, certain kinds of artwork in order to draw better. And uh, I think one example was, like, you know, like, 
you know, detailed background images of, like, cities. He was basically, like, showing cool tricks. I can just draw a couple lines, you know, and then kind of make it 3D-like. And, you know, within, like, two minutes, like, he had this whole city landscape that was just based on a couple of lines that he had drawn. And so uh, it was neat to see, like, some different tricks that he utilizes in comics when he's drawing. He was taking uh, suggestions from the... Um, people that were there for the panels to like you know what characters to draw um he drew wonder woman and he drew batman and uh i was trying to get him to draw grifter but he couldn't hear me because everybody else is shouting um you know for what they wanted him to draw what was cool is that like you know you're actually getting to see the process of you know him drawing you know wonder woman's face or batman's face you know because you know his artworks getting projected on the screen and so I took several photos of you know the beginning sketch and the final sketch which I posted um you know the development of a sketch for Wonder Woman and Batman on um the Facebook page um so I mean if you want to check those out like you can just go to the Facebook page and look at those um what was cool is I didn't know this beforehand but a lot of people that have been to his uh panels before knew is that he actually gives away his sketches. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, that was cool. I, you know, I was kind of shocked, like, that he just, like, gives them, gives them away to people, but the, on this particular date, like, it was, like, you know, the day after, you know, the Thursday release of Batman versus Superman, which we had seen, but he was only giving, or considering giving the artwork to people that saw it, like, in IMAX around a certain time. <laughs> And so, like, there were people going up there and getting these super fucking cool sketches that he had drawn. And I was like, you know, it sucked. Because initially, I think he was just going to call numbers. He just assumed that people were given, like, tickets to get in. And so he was going to call numbers or whatever. And that what that didn't happen. So that was how he narrowed it down. So didn't get a piece of art. But um, in general, still walked away with, uh, with a good experience. Um, from the panel now what was cool is that I was actually able to make it to the table as he was heading out and I asked if I could get a picture with him and he said sure but you know they were trying to lead him out the door because they were already a little behind schedule and so um, what I was pleasantly surprised with is that in this particular time I don't know if he does this all the time but for this panel he stuck around until he met like every single person that wanted to speak with him he was uh, signing auto, you know, signing autographs or signing comic books that people had, cards. Um, you know, there were people even there with like their art portfolios, trying to, you know, get like a minute of his time. Uh, you know, uh, when I met him, he's totally cool, and I took a, uh, I took a selfie with him, which I've done with a bunch of other people before, but like of everybody I've ever met, like I've always been like totally cool. You know, snap a pic, thank a lot, you know, thank you a lot, and then you know, basically walk off. This time, I met Jim Lee, and I've, like I said, I've been a fan of his since I was little. I was like, I didn't realize it, but like, was kind of shaking. <laughs> Not like shaking like a fucking chihuahua or anything, but just, I, had, I was a little bit nervous. So when I took the photo, it was fucking blurry. And I was like, oh my god, like I seriously can't have a picture with Jim Lee that's all blurry. So I actually went back, and he was, like, cool enough to be like, oh, yeah, you know, let's retake this picture. And so I actually handed the phone to Amanda so that I can get a better photo that wasn't, like, a blurry 
you know, distorted face with uh, Jim Lee. So I was uh, pretty happy that he was able to do that for me. There were some people that were kind of dicks because, like, what his his little uh, his little rule was is that like he would sign your autograph or he would sign an autograph for you or sign the comic book if you wanted, but he would only do it for two. Um, you would only do two signatures per person at the most, just so that he can like meet everybody. And there were some people that would like get two signatures from him, and then like go off, and then try to come back in real quick and try to get two more signatures, hmm. just because like that's not enough. And they're like, "Come on, man, three more." It's like, dude, that full you know, Jim Lee said two. <laughs> you know, it's like fuck, like you know, you know, you're gonna see him in another panel. Just fucking get over it. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, Jim Lee typically will charge you, you know, a certain amount of money to sign something, and then he's doing it for free and two times for you, and then you're still going to go over and be a dick and try to sneak one past him. It's like, you know, have some honor and just, like, respect his wishes and stuff instead of being a conniving little shit. So, um, after that panel... Uh, we tried to head over to, um, there was a panel for, there was a panel slash cre- uh, screening for, like, the new Teen Titans Go. Um, apparently it's, like, going through a little bit of a redesign. The Teen Titans are going to be a little bit older. Um, look pretty cool. I mean, not that I follow Teen Titans or Amanda follows it, but it just seemed like it would be neat. Problem is, is that everybody else thought it would be neat. <laughs> and when we got there, the, um, the room was full. And so there was already, like, a pretty substantial line for um the your opinion sucks rotten tomatoes critics versus fans panel and so uh when we lined up it was already like a line around the corner from the front of the room luckily though um we were able to get in and uh due to some fast maneuvering and scooching in there um we were able to find two seats like in the second row of the room um and what was cool about this is we hadn't actually been in a Rotten Tomatoes panel. So they handed out these little uh, cardboard flippy deals that, you know, basically shows your disdain or love for any movie that gets talked about. And so the premise of this panel was that uh, basically there are several people on this panel that are critics from like various news sources. And I have some of the information here. Um, the editor-in-chief, Matt, uh, Atchity, and senior editor, Gray Drake of Rotten Tomatoes, along with their editorial team. Um, there were some other people, I believe one of the guys is from, like, Access Hollywood, and then there was a girl that was, like, a senior, like, editor for Nerdist or something like that, although I can't remember her name. Um, but these these uh, panelists, like the, like I said, the premise is basically that people line up, um, you know, kind of like you're going to ask questions in most panels when they're taking Q&A, except what it is is you're choosing a movie that you want to either say um, you love and why or is the worst garbage movie you've ever seen in your whole life and why. And so the panelists or the um, critics' job is to argue against your point. So if you love a movie, they're going to tell you why your movie's garbage. Or they might agree with you. Or, you know, the vice versa. So um, 
it brought the perfect opportunity for people to be fucking trolls, right? <laughs> yeah. There were some obvious trolls. I mean, could um, was there a movie that you remember that like people were basically like saying was like the best movie of all time and you know was arguably like one of the fucking worst movies ever made? The Cat in the Hat. Yeah, that was one of them. I mean, do you remember what he said about it? It was the masterpiece. He thought it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, he basically said that, like, that, uh, you know, Mike Myers should have been nominated for fucking Oscar. Said that, like, it was, like, a, you know, cinematic, um, it was, like, a c- cinematic genius of a film. The screenwriting was spectacular. The color was spectacular. The designing was spectacular. That just generally, like, Cat in the Hat was one of the most underrated movies of its time. And that, uh, you know, basically, um, you know, it had been done wrong and was, you know, something that was deserving of, like, several awards. And, like, you're just like, seriously? Like... Cat in the fucking hat. Like, that movie's probably one of the worst dumpster fires, like, ever made. And, you know, even the pat- even the critics are just kind of like, this dude's gotta be trolling. You know, like, there's no way this guy can be serious. What was funny, though, and what drew a shitload of hate, I mean, there were other ones that, like, you could just tell, like, it was, like, super obvious. I mean, there was another Mike Myers movie that was mentioned, too. I just can't remember which one it was. It was Shrek. Oh, Yeah. Somebody said Shrek Forever After was like one of the best movies ever made. And but the thing was was funny is this guy was so detailed in his argument for why Shrek Forever After was like the best movie ever. Like he made like a compelling point. Like even if like he was a troll, dude was just like super detailed and like even if you hated the movie you're just like yeah, like he he made a good point. Um but the most surprising was a guy that went up and he was, he brought up Star Wars Episode Seven, and completely tore down and shit on that fucking movie. He even came with like a written prepared like dissertation that he handed out mm-hmm. notes to like everybody on the fucking panel, and basically tore it down from top to bottom, saying that like Finn wasn't a hero, that he was basically a coward that didn't do anything near the entire movie except run, that. Um, you know, he wasn't even fitting of, like, being called a hero because of shit is shameful as, like, you know, drinking from a fucking, um, you know, animal's water trough and just, you know, generally being, like, just generally being a scaredy cat. And then you have, um, uh, god dang it, what's the, uh, Ray. And then he basically says that Ray, like, isn't a female hero either. Um, you know, that basically, like, she didn't do anything to qualify herself as a hero, um, you know, and that basically, you know, he thought that, um, you know, because everybody's trying to find this, like, alternative hero, you know, like, female heroes or, um, I don't know, like, non-white heroes, I guess, is, and I mean, this is coming from, you know, this is coming, uh, from, you know, a black man. He's saying that, like, that Finn isn't a hero, that Ray's not a hero, 
and that they didn't do shit, that, you know, Episode seven's basically a complete carbon copy of Episode four, which, I mean, I've kind of already heard that point, um, you know, but just goes on to say that the movie generally was garbage and lacked any sort of, like, creativity, and, you know, big shock, they blow up the fucking Death, you know, they blow up the equivalent of the Death Star again, and, you know, Finn has, like, no technical knowledge of it, but somehow they're able to figure it out. So, again, he just thought that, you know, generally Star Wars Episode Seven was shit. And what's funny is that he almost got booed away and, like, everybody had to calm down and was, you know, they had to give him, because uh, you had a minute to kind of prove your point. And I think he got booed for almost a minute. Yeah. So they had to give him, like, an extra minute so that he could make his freaking point before the panelists were able to argue back. And basically completely disagreed with him on everything that, yes, Finn's a hero, yes, Ray's a hero, and, you know, generally everybody was like, yay, and afterward, even though the panelists completely disagreed with him. So, um, you know, basically, you know, Rotten Tomatoes was a fun little panel, um, and because we already had pretty awesome seats, we didn't even move, um, there were a ton of people they were trying to get in this next panel, which was AMC's Preacher Series um, premiere for uh, the screening and panel. And so what's funny is that, like, going into this, I know that it said that it was, like, a premiere, screening, and panel. But when we went to Silicon Valley Comic Con um, last week, there was supposed to be a screening slash panel for that movie, I'm Not a Murderer, right? And that's what it said, except when we actually got there... All they did was play, like, two, like, five-minute clips of the movie. Yeah. And then talk the entire time. We're like, uh, that's not a fucking screening. So I kind of assumed that, like, maybe that was going to be the case for this one. Um, just because that's what happened last week. But again, there's a difference between WonderCon and other Comic Cons. Um, so they actually just played the, the pilot show for Preacher. Like, right off the bat. Um, you know, basically told people they couldn't have their phones out or anything like that, and they were going to have people watching in the room to make sure that nobody was trying to record it or anything. Um, but it was a fantastic show. Um, it was fucking really good. I, I mean, I wasn't surprised because AMC's been putting out a lot of good content, and so I guess I came in there with high hopes. And it met and exceeded my expectations for what Preacher is going to be. Um, what were your thoughts? I thought it was really good. I didn't have any expectations of it, though. Because I, I, I didn't know what it was based on. But I thought it was good. Yeah, I mean, the it's, it's supposed to follow the comic um, really well. And I think that people in general were you know, happy the direction that, um, Preacher went with, um, you know, it is pretty true to the comic, although it doesn't necessarily follow the same storyline, which, I mean, is more or less with, uh, Walking Dead, I mean, it basically follows the storyline of the comics, but, you know, there's a character that doesn't exist in it, and, you know, there's some stuff that, you know, would have happened already if it followed the storyline, and basically, you know, they've kind of created their own st story arc, you know, for Walking Dead, and so I think you can pretty much expect something similar of Preacher where they're not really going to follow the comic book specifically, but they're going to follow, I think, like, 
the heart of the comic and the intent of the comic and you know try to make people happy for their expectations of what preacher is and so um i think generally people are going to be happy with people that are familiar um with the comic so um the cast members uh dominic cooper and ruth nega and showrunner sam catlin uh were there and um you know cooper plays uh jesse custer and um what the heck is her name do do do, do. I'm trying to look for a freaking name um tulip. nega plays ruth nega plays tulip so um they're pretty neat uh i i i mean i guess i guess the only downside to the panel because i think they played their characters really well I think the only downside of the panel was after the pilot, which no complaints, pilot was fantastic, and I can't wait for it to premiere on uh, May 22nd, um, so I can watch it again. But was that she seemed to be like pretty disinterested in being in the panel? Um, you know, a lot of times you had uh, the um, Dominic Cooper who plays uh, Jesse Custer, the main character. Um, you know, he had him talking, answering questions, and you know you know, getting through the Q&A, and, I mean, he seemed to be pretty interested, and he was, he was pretty funny, but, um, you had, uh, what the heck, Ruth, uh, Ruth Nega, you had her basically just continually looking down, kind of looking all over the place, and it was pretty evident that, like, the entire time, like, she was on her phone, like, she was on her phone, like, a lot, and, I think she was playing with her bracelet, she had a bracelet that she was wearing at the start, and then you could see her. She was playing with it sometimes when when she was answering your question, like she was see, like moving it through her thumbs. See, she's uh, Amanda's making this thumb movement back and forth, and I mean, I guess that makes sense because like she's making like these thumb movements with both of her hands, and it would kind of look like you know she might have been texting, but if she was playing with her bracelet then, I mean, maybe she was just generally nervous. But it still looked like she didn't want to be there. Right. I, I mean, I don't know whether it was just her being nervous or whether she was just, you know, bored, didn't want to be there, whatever the case was. But, um, I mean, that was the only downside, and it wasn't really a big downside. I mean, they were there. They answered questions. The pilot was, you know, not just good but great. And... um you know, I hope there's several seasons of this and that the story is good. Um, not good, but great. And that it stays as good as this first um, pilot episode is. So, um, you know, this 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 show premieres May 22nd, um, which isn't that far away. You know, luckily, they've only screened this thing like one other time, they said. So, we were lucky enough to get a you know, big sneak peek at, uh, at this pilot. So, I mean, expect good things. Um, not gonna lie. There was some, uh, there were some surprises in that show. Um, but we won't spoil it for you since it hasn't even premiered yet. I would say just, uh, just, just wait for it to come out because it's going to be really cool. Um, I mean, after the day was over, 
just the experience overall with uh you know the convention being in LA and just everything that you know we went to I mean would you be happy if they started or kept WonderCon at uh this convention pretty much from this point forward eh, it's awfully spread out I don't know there was a lot more walking to get from one place to another there like and not just I mean there's a lot of walking whether you're at WonderCon or Comic-Con but there was just a lot of walking from one point to another where there was nothing that you're walking past whereas when you go to Comic-Con or you go to WonderCon because everything is kind of like in this one specific area you're you're walking past something or you're walking past panels or rooms or you know for from this to this but like in this convention center the way stuff was set up is you might actually be walking like a good amount of time where there's just nothing right like you're just walking you're not like oh cool there's this or oh cool there's that or oh i'm passing this cool shit on my way to this like there was just spots where you're just walking and walking and walking to get to like a whole nother section where like you're just walking down a really fucking long haul so i mean that was i mean i guess that was probably one of the only downers on the plus side at least it wasn't muggy (laughs) yeah yeah that's true so um all in all, I had a good time at uh, the convention. I wish we could have gone Saturday. It's not that we weren't in, in able to go because it was sold out. We actually got tickets to the Saturday, um, you know, to Saturday. Um, but like I said, we had some last minute crap come up and we had to get refunds on our Saturday tickets and then purchase Friday tickets instead. I would have been happy being able to go Friday and Saturday at the very least. I mean, personally, I, I would have liked to have gone just to WonderCon from beginning to end like we did Silicon Valley Comic Con um you know because we've been going to WonderCon like I said um for the past couple of years but we've only done it for a day and um you know I think that you know it would have been a good time to you know go to WonderCon for a three day uh like I said I think we did the Silicon Valley one just because it was the inaugural one and we had high hopes for it and I think although we did have a good time at Silicon Valley Comic Con, um, you know, it didn't, I mean, it wasn't as, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, it wasn't quite what we hoped. I think it's just that, like, I think one, like, a There's lots know, of room for improvement. Yeah. Yeah, Comic Con International, they put on good conventions, and when you're comparing uh, a brand new upstart convention to an established, uh, you know, convention runner like WonderCon or Comic Con, it's you know comparing night and day. Maybe at some point Silicon Valley Comic Con will be, um, you know, a fantastic convention once it's kind of, you know, ironed out the wrinkles and uh, and everything. But uh, as it stands right now. I probably would have been happier going to WonderCon for the three days. But um, on the plus side, we did meet Tim Miller, the director of Deadpool, which was super cool. So, um, I mean, that's pretty much it for our coverage of WonderCon, specifically for Friday. Um, We hope you enjoyed listening. Um, 
Felt like we rambled a little bit on this one, but hey, what can you do? We're just trying to be informative and detailed. Um, so, uh, I mean, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can email us at thatconversationalist at gmail.com. Um, you know, like us on Facebook, you know, check out some of the photos we have from, you know, last week's Silicon Valley Comic Con or, you know, um, our Friday coverage of WonderCon by going to facebook.com slash conversationalist. Um, you can check us out on uh, soundcloud.com um, slash conversationalist, and you can also check us out on iTunes. Um, you know, uh, that's it for the show, and thanks for listening. You know, stay tuned and uh, just check our Facebook page for any uh, upcoming shows that you know you may or may not be expecting, depending on you know what information comes out. Whether it's games, music, movies, or conventions. So, thanks for listening. Uh, bye. Bye.